Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of season three of the Connect You podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Good. You're older. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Happy belated birthday yeah. a couple days ago. Well, no, you, you texted me. I just didn't get back to you. I'm, I apologize. I actually haven't got back to any of the people who were kind enough to send me birthday messages, either on LinkedIn or Facebook, because it's a lot of work. So I will, over the next few days titrate just thanks you too <laughs> to confuse them what it's not my birthday <laughs> so yeah whose birthday is it yeah so i've hit that age now where uh my mother used to do this all the time she would flip the uh, the years right mm-hmm. felt to make herself feel better but after you hit that five, like 55 doesn't matter, then 56 is no good. Now 57, also no good. And then, oh, <laughs> yeah, I had this great experience. Well, it was a weird experience. I went to PetSmart last week to buy some dog food or a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and the guy's like, senior discount. And I was like, what? <laughs> he says, well, yeah, the third Thursday of every month, it's a, it's a senior's discount. And I'm like, no, I'm not a senior. Well, you are Denny's. I don't know what the cutoff is. Well, Denny's is 55. Are you 55? I'm 57, yeah. 57. So, yeah, so yeah you're, you're, you're good for the seniors. So the guy's like, well, close enough. So it was 25 bucks off, so I took it. But I'm like, <laughs> So I took it. Well, I mean, I love- twenty-five bucks, man. No, but it's like so. I took it. Uh, so Alan Weiss, who is uh, not to be confused with Alan Weisselberg, Alan Weiss is a consultant who's written many books, and he one book he written about before, before we get oh, there. Okay, the, the coffee. coffee today. Yeah. So the coffee today is uh, local. It's from Edmonton. Oh, well, there you go. It is from a special friend um, a friend of our contractor and it's called ADD Coffee. Oh yeah. And uh, it's a dark blend of arabica from Peru, Brazil and Guatemala. Rich flavors of dark chocolate, cocoa, mixed nuts and hints of dried fruit as it cools. Ooh. Now, this is one of these ones where they say it's good for everything. Which I'm always skeptical about. But anyway, it's a bit of a dark blend. And we also have a guest today. Our guest is my dog, Mocha. Yes. Oh, did you just bark? Oh. There you go. Knows her name. She does know her name. Yeah. Okay. Um, Carry on. You were talking. Uh, Yeah. So he wrote a book uh, called The Third Act, which is... uh, it kind of aimed at business people, you know, after the age of, let's say, 50, 55. And his recommendation, now he's in his early 70s, is do not begin to go down the path of the retired if you're not ready to retire, right? I've, and and he very much argues in today's day and age, particularly if you're a knowledge-based worker, there's really no point in, in shutting it down, certainly not at 55. So he's like, avoid seniors tours don't go on don't take the seniors discount don't because pretty soon it's a it's a mindset thing right and if you start hanging out with older people (laughs) so one of my team members was like hey you can sign up at the at the central lions club senior center for a whole year you get access to the gym for like 60 bucks and again i was like well that sounds attractive but i don't know I hesitate giving that advice to just be hanging out with, you know, old people. Well, I think the, the, the caveat is with young people caveat is how your health is. Well, sure. If your health is not doing great. You want to accelerate it. If your health is fine, you're, you know, yeah, everything yeah. else is good. Yeah. Maybe you can delay it for sure. I do think that there is a lot of, there is definitely a mindset for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do think that there's a similarity between it and there's a similarity as I would imagine between that and sort of, this sounds bad, but, but stay at home parents, whether they're male or female, Mm. mostly because you need to be a self-starter. 
you have right. to kind of create your own structure. Right. You might be alone for a bit, fair bit of time. So, and you know, and if you choose to go out, who are you going to hang out with? Yep. And once you reach a certain age, the people you're going to end up hanging out with tend to be older, but younger people tend to invigorate things. Exactly. So, you know, you got to have a bit of a, now I, <laughs> I do think it's a comp uh, incredibly complicated decision-making process for everybody. For me, it turned out, I'm pretty sure it was the right decision. Um, I'm not regretting it. In fact, I'm sort of like going like, I think this might be the last year that I keep my PN. So that, Ooh, that's a big, big deal. Yeah. I did well, the issue. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that you are, you know, you're not hanging out at McDonald's in the morning drinking coffee with people. Well, not with people. Now, I did have a relative. <laughs> I'm doing it alone. There you no, go. No, I'm just kidding. I had a relative, my father's cousin's husband, who was probably the happiest guy like he made being retired a hobby. So I met him. He would have been in his early 70s, late 60s, right? And he'd worked for a BC Hydro. He's an engineer, okay. right? But one of these guys who he got out of school, he worked for BC Hydro, worked there for like 40 years, big pension, and then he retired. Plus, they bought land in the 60s by the University Endowment Lands. Oh, and, and so and their house was probably worth millions. a couple million bucks, maybe more. And they paid like nothing for it. So this is a guy who was like he bought his wife a full size Eldorado Cadillac just so she could go to the golf club with the girls. Is it pink? Right? They no, it was gold. <laughs> but this guy knew all of the spots where you could get a seniors discount. Mm -hmm. Like sitting on, like I said, he made a hobby of it. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, on Tuesday mornings I go down to this coffee shop." And it's 15% off for seniors. And then on in the afternoon, I go over here and I get like a free donut because I'm a senior. And I, his name was you. I'm like, like, do you have a spreadsheet? He goes, no, but you know, he was bored. So this was his thing. How many, how many things can I find? Because I'm a senior and I'm loving it where I can save, you know, a couple bucks. <laughs> like, this is in Vancouver, right? Yeah, yeah. And he'd go, he would go far. Like, he'd be like, uh, there's a bookshop over, like, how, how in North is, Van. How old would this guy be now? He, oh, he's dead. Okay. Yeah, no, he's long dead. Real retired. Yeah. Um, dad jokes? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a couple here. Why don't you start? I gave away all my dead batteries. Free of charge. I got an email that said, at Google Earth, we can read maps backward. But I trashed it because that's just spam. spam. <laughs> a termite walks into a bar and asks, is the bartender here? And? Tender? Oh, jeez. How do you drown a hipster? Uh, I don't know. In the mainstream. There you go. <laughs> Um, did you hear about the huge sale on canoes? <laughs> no. It's quite the ore deal. There you go. <laughs> Why do chicken coops only have two doors? I don't know. Because if they had four, they would be chicken sedans. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> uh, what's more impressive than a talking dog? Uh... Spelling bee. A spelling bee here. A woman is on trial for beating her husband to death with his guitar collection. Judge says, first offender? She says, no, first the Gibson, then the Fender. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, uh. Anyway, did you hear the joke about the giant? No. Never mind, it's over your head. Uh, okay, one more. My wife caught me standing in the bathroom scale, sucking in my stomach. Ha, she said, that's not going to help. I said, sure it does. It's the only way I can read the numbers. <laughs> uh, what uh, did you learn this week? I haven't learned a goddamn thing. I learned two things. Did you? Uh, I, something will come to me. I'm sure I've learned something. Like, well, I learned about shingles. Oh, well, we'll talk about shingles. Yeah, right. Well, let's talk about the... Very bizarre thing that I learned. So I went down a rabbit hole. Okay. You know, I was reading an article in Times about about uh, this. There's this pet sanctuary. Oh, um, interesting. Uh, 
or, or pet cemetery, not a sanctuary, cemetery. Yeah. Well, a sanctuary of sorts, I guess. So it's called the Hartsdale Pet Cemetery in Westchester County, New York. And is it's this a, one where you bury your pet and it comes back to life. Well, no, that's the Stephen King. Uh, right. Yeah, but this is a that's what this place is is a pet cemetery. Okay. So what's interesting is I'm reading it and and it said uh, and it's also got some famous people there, uh, including Ming the Tiger that was discovered in Harlem. And I'm going like, what? <laughs> so. So, so there's the story of this. He was a member of the Black Panther. So I'm going to read the Wikipedia <laughs> entry because it reads like a novel. Mm. It is super interesting. Uh, okay. And in April 2000, Antoine Yates, a 31-year-old part-time taxi cab driver and resident of Harlem, New York, purchased Ming, an eight-week-old male Siberian Bengal tiger hybrid from the Bearcat Hollow Park, Animal Park in Racine, Minnesota. So, um, already bad, bad decisions were made. He lived with animals in apartment 5E of the Drew Hamilton Houses public housing complex for five years. <laughs> okay. He would only leave the apartment once a day for an hour to purchase food. And it, and Who, the tiger or the guy? The guy. Oh, yeah, okay. Ming's existence became known and reported to media after Yates was taken to ha Harlem Hospital Center emergency room in September of tw 30th of 2023. Okay. Oh, 2003, with bites on the arm and the leg. At the time of the treatment, Yates claimed that his pet pit bull had bitten him. However, wow. the medical personnel were suspicious because the width <laughs> yeah. of the bite mark suggested an animal with a much larger jaw. <laughs> Later, Yates said he had been bitten while trying to keep Ming the tiger yeah away from shadow a cat he had recently adopted <laughs> okay that day was the first time ming had met shadow according to yates after ming began chasing shadow a five five room apartment wow yates jumped in front of ming who bit and clawed yates multiple times as he wrestled with the tiger after ming finally closed his jaws on yates knee yates recalled oh man that had me going through flashes of life. I was like, oh, my God, guess this is where I die. It's <laughs> <laughs> declined to call it an attack, saying it was a natural reaction of Ming's frustration. Probably was. I'm walking around. I'm still alive. I haven't lost a limb. You couldn't even tell I got bit by a tiger unless I told you and showed you the mark. Right. On Thursday, October 2nd, the police received an anonymous tip that there was a large wild animal that was biting people. The same anonymous tip followed up next day by providing the animal's location at Yates' apartment. Yates checked out of the hospital that same day, and following up on the tips, an officer of New York City Police Department was sent to his home to address, uh, address to investigate in October, on October 3rd. Loud growling noises could be heard through the door of the apartment, and the officer declined to enter. The NYPD Technical Assistance Response Unit drilled holes through the neighbor's walls and used a camera on a pole to locate Ming. Martin Duffy, another police officer, was sent through the, the uh, sent to the roof from which he abseiled on a rope sling to view the apartment windows. <laughs> Ming roared at Duffy, who then anesthetized Ming by firing a rifle with a tranquilizer dart prepared by Dr. Robert Cook the chief veterinarian of the Wildlife Conservation Society, who manages the city zoos. Right. After being darted, Ming charged at the window from which Duffy had fired, breaking it, then retreated further into the apartment. Authorities waited several minutes for the sedative to take effect before an animal control team was sent into Yates' apartment. Dr. Cook used a catch pole and gave Ming another sedative injection to make sure he stayed asleep during the transport. It took more than six men to carry Ming down the elevator to a waiting truck. The team also discovered Al, a five and a half foot alligator that Yates had been raising <laughs> in one of the other bedrooms. <laughs> Yates was later located in Philadelphia and placed under guard. Ming, after Ming was discovered in Yates' apartment in October, 2003, questioning of the neighbors determined the existence of the tiger, tiger was widely known for at least three years, but as a sort of an ur urban legend, Yates regularly bought large quantities of raw chicken at the local supermarket, and one standing joke in the building was he could eat so much chicken every day. By 2003, Yates was feeding Ming 20 pounds of chicken livers bones per day. 
The downstairs neighbor was aware that Yates owned many animals in contradiction to the housing authority rules, and her daughter had once seen Ming. The neighbor added it was not a problem until the summer of 2003 when she opened the windows for the first time that year and found her windowsill soaked with urine accompanied by a heavy animal odor. Oh, dear. Like, where does all the poop go? Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Will a tiger use a, a litter box? In addition, Yates had taken roommates who were unaware of the animals at first. Oh, my God. How would you be open the bathroom door? <laughs> a woman, uh, so according to the New York Daily News, a woman who shared a Harlem apartment with a 425-pound tiger said yesterday she was terrified at first, but soon got used to living with the man-eater down the hall. Yeah, sure. Carolyn and Domingo told the Daily News she couldn't believe her eyes when she spotted the big cat roaming free in the apartment where she and her husband rented a room from tiger owner Antoine Yates. But eventually, she said, we all became family. Yeah, there you go. Um, wow. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, I got a 425-pound tiger and an alligator. And an alligator. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. It's, Bad uh, apartment to break into. Yeah. Wow. Apparently, he was dismissive of uh, the people documented in Tiger King calling them ignorant and not really good exotic animal. Oh, yeah, sure. How long did the tiger live? Oh, it uh, it lived until 2019 okay. and died of natural causes at a... Uh, at a zoo? Uh, at a sanctuary, an animal yeah. sanctuary. Noah's Lost Ark Sanctuary in Berlin Center, Ohio. Right. Well, speaking of Tiger King, you remember? Did you see it? Did you watch it? No, that? I never did. Oh, did you? Man. Yeah, we watched it. Was it good? It was weird? Good. It was unique. Is it like but watching a car crash where it's, you're horrified, but you can't take your eyes off? Kind of, yeah. So one of the tiger handlers has her arm bitten off. Off? Yes, off. Oh but she comes back. With an arm? To work there. No, no. Well, prosthetic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then the other guy, one guy blew his head off accidentally playing with a shotgun you they don't show that but they show they actually show the video if i recall of the guy who is watching him and basically saying you know hey stop screwing around and then you hear bang and the guy just like <laughs> yeah goes into immediate shock because this other guy young guy good looking guy he was one of tiger king's his last husband or boyfriend you know just literally blew his head off inadvertently like five feet from this guy it's amazing it's like wow <sighs> this is crazy shit man so tell me about shingles you learned about shingles yeah so my wife has come down with a case of shingles which is no picnic uh, luckily she jumped on it pretty quick went to see the doctor and she's got uh, antiviral so shingles medication. is a reactivation of the chicken pox. yeah it's a chicken pox and like she said on facebook she thought if you had chicken pox you were immune from it it's absolutely opposite. It's the opposite yeah. it's, if you've had it as a kid, then it remains dormant in some fashion. So I'm 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 the opposite. Be, I'm I'm immune to yeah, shingles, yeah. but I'm not immune to chicken pox. We don't know what it, I don't know if they know what activates it, stress or maybe just something, you know. It could be environmental. So she's got it on her ankle, quite painful. And uh yeah. So I'm going to sign up for that vaccine. Mm -hmm. Shinrix. And you've definitely had chicken box. Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I did not. Yeah, I did not. Sure. I had all that shit when I was a kid. Rubella. What's rubella? Is oh. that German measles? Yeah, I think so. Right. Okay. You get red splotches and mumps. You had mumps? mumps? I think so. I don't think I had either of those. Um, Did I tell you one of my students and Nate last semester, though, speaking of pox of different, emailed me and she said she couldn't write the exam because the doctor told her she had smallpox. And I was like, I don't think you've got smallpox. <laughs> and then she showed up at the exam. Was Sick as a dog. Well, sick with something. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? You didn't, you didn't respond to my email. I'm like, when? The exam was at 6, right? She was like, I was emailing you at 5.30. For Christ's sake, like... <laughs> I was on my way here, right? We could have got you a deferment. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're just going to. I'll be fine. No mask. You know, 50 people in this room. Because <laughs> people don't get uh, smallpox virus anymore because it doesn't exist. It's one of the few viruses. Well, we have it. I think there's still a sample of it somewhere, isn't there? Or did they actually destroy it? I think they've supposedly destroyed it. There is some. Thank God. Could you imagine, like, with all of this, because I'm sounding like Trump now, just jumping from the thing to thing, but New York City had a measles outbreak? Yeah. Right? And this is because of this idiocy around non-vaccination, where now we're having enough of a percentage of the population that's not vaccinated, that these things are starting to take hold again. Because they don't believe in vaccines because Trump sent mixed messages while getting vaccines. Of course. Because of course he got vaccines. Of course he did. He's 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 like a germaphobe. So he's totally a vaccine. Oh, yeah. Vaccination guy. Well, our local idiot also sending mixed messages, right? Yeah, I'm sure. We have the highest, I think we have the lowest vaccination rate in the country. And the lowest uh, increase in, in wages, I uh, just saw that this morning. Are those things correlated? Maybe. <laughs> um, um, average... I, I learned about gallbladder. Gallbladder, yes, because your son. So my son it. has had a gallbladder attack, right. which I, I never really understood an attack. What, what it is, is you basically have an obstruction of your gallbladder. Oh, so there's an and that obstruction, like a gallstone. That's yeah. Yeah. So he has he has definitely got a gallstone. Okay. And you end up with nausea, sometimes vomiting, and basically, so the gallbladder. I didn't know what the gallbladder no, I thought, did. I but people, some people have their gallbladder removed. You can right? have it removed, although it does affect your diet and it limits what you can eat. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, gallbladder is um, basically collects bile and it injects bile from your liver it's like a concentrator it concentrates oh, the bile right. to basically help break down fat so sure so if you have so what can happen is the the duct that the the bile the the gallbladder is holding the concentrated bile bile uh they can they can coalesce and turn into stones and there's like four different types of Eesh. stones yeah. And depending on what is the thing that's forming the stone. Um, but what it means is that uh, you you have to be super cautious about eating anything fatty. Right. Um, because it will um, it'll try and push more stuff through. No foie gras. <laughs> well, yeah, I would think foie gras would be pretty fatty. Yeah. But things like butter, it's, re- it's, it's related to pancreatitis. You can have okay. pancreatitis issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the problem is that so this is going to be a, a, all, all the food that Alex really likes. Oh, He's not going to be okay. able to eat. And it turns out that in, in uh, North... Like, like permanently or just until he gets this under control? Probably... Probably pretty permanently. Right. Uh, and it may take a while to get it under control. Sure. He, um... Now, a gallstone, like, if you have a kidney stone... Yeah. ...which I've had one... Okay. Oh, like, a long time ago, but man... Yeah, it's like it's that. It's a thing. It's, it, it's uh, apparently... You pass. Does a gallstone pass through the bladder and ultimately out, or do they have to blast well, it's it? It's not through, through a bladder, but it, it will... I think it goes right into your intestine. So, uh, oh, so... okay. But uh, sometimes... Well, that would probably be less painful than peeing it out. <laughs> Maybe. Because I remember, and then when it passed, you'd think you were, you know, dealing with a marble. And then it's just this tiny little thing. And you're like, that's what was causing that much friggin' misery? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because I know they, they can use ultrasound now to 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 smash them. Well, I shouldn't say now. They've been doing it for a long time. Right? Apparently, uh, apparently for gallbladders, that's it, not super effective. Okay. Well, that is unfortunate. Uh, yeah. So he's uh, so that's that's quite it's quite something. So yeah. it's tied exactly. Um, like I don't think with kidney stones, it, you, it's not you can't change what you're eating or whatever. You can manage gallbladder stones or gallstones with. Uh, with diet right so the less fatty foods you have the less bile you're producing the less stones you get right well that makes sense so anyway so i had no idea yes and interestingly so most 
the most common people, women get it two times more than men. In North America, the indigenous population gets it like, yeah, like 45% of the indigenous population gets gallstones. Wow. But it's even higher in Canada. So Canadian indigenous, it's 70 to 80% of That's what you're saying. So it's super high. Uh, higher than the U.S. and um, and and apparently, the flip side of that is there are parts of Africa where it's as low as three percent. Interesting. So there's kind of the extremes. Anyway, so it is very genetic. Yeah. Uh, so that well, is well, that is unfortunate. Yeah, that's well, that's what I learned. I learned about gallbladders because my wife and my son spent the entire day. They were about fourteen hours at the emerge yesterday. <sighs> So, um, what were you doing? I was doing my regular stuff <laughs> while I was taking care of. Let me dogs. know how that turns out. <laughs> well, he came into our uh, into I'll, our bedroom at I'll like holding down the fort five o'clock in the morning, and I'm just going, I'm getting no sleep. Yeah. So anyway, so I was not, I was not, it was not a great day. It doesn't make sense for everybody to be at the house. With. I agree. I could not agree better. So, so um, let me tell you uh, about what we're going to talk, talk about, about today. We're going to talk about a famous a fa guy. Yeah. So we're going to talk about um, a guy named uh, Eugene or William Eugene Smith. Okay. So uh, the problem is uh, we're talking about a photographer. Right. So well, a famous a photographer. Uh, he's considered the father of um, the photo essay. So he's a photojournalist. And in particular, a photo essay. So a photo essay is distinguished a little bit from photojournalism. Right. So photojournalism usually means that the image is not, is not staged. Okay. That's a super critical aspect. Of Say that again in a photo no, essay. Photojournalism is about photos that are not okay. staged. They yes. can't be staged. Right. So you're, you, you know, you can change highlights and contrasts and stuff like that, but you can't remove things. Right. You can't add things. You you kind of, that, what you see is basically what you get. Although you can use like some darkroom stuff to try and sure. emphasize parts. But, um, yeah, so he, he started as a photo, photojournalist. He actually picked up his camera. So born in 1918. Okay. First camera when he was nine years old. Wow. So in the 20s. Yeah. And uh, first published in at the age of 15. Um, Impressive. And apparently, supposedly, the, the story is that his father committed suicide when he was like 18. When when. Eugene was 18. His father committed suicide. Okay. And it was reported poorly in the in the in local newspaper. And because it was poorly reported, that kind of started Eugene on this need to seek the truth. Oh, interesting. And to find the truth about what, you know, where things, you know, because basically not believing, oh, conspiracy theory, <laughs> Um, not believing stuff unless he did it himself. So he, um, so he's, he had a ton of success. Um, he, 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 he started working for, um, um, he worked for Ziff Davis publishing and started, um, uh, becoming a correspondent during world war two. Right. So in 1943, he was, um, supplying photos to life magazine so my life magazine was producing images like uh, uh once a week there you go that's our guest speaking um anyway so he became incredibly famous as a war correspondent right like he took incredible photos and um the problem i'm going to have is trying to show people uh, show uh show you these yeah well, we'll put it on the website. Well, we'll put it on the website. But so his photos are astonishing because they are so amazing. So he got, he became this war correspondent, took incredible photos, yep. great composition, mm -hmm. all black and white. Of course, this predated a lot of color stuff sure. and all black and white. And then he, uh, 
he uh, kept uh, doing that until he got injured in the late stages of the war. And like he got uh, uh, shrapnel in his cheek and in his hand. Right. And he thought that was it. He was never going to work as a photographer again. Interesting. Fortunately, that is not the case. And he did carry on after. But he's very famous. He got a great reputation for all these photos during World War II. Hmm. And then he did um, a photo essay. So he started then doing these series of photo essays, primarily for Life magazine, um, all with a humanist perspective. So always focusing on the people. Mm -hmm. He started with this doctor in a place called Kremming, Colorado. So for several weeks, he followed the doctor and took these photos. And they're amazing. Like this is a, a doctor who was doing a house calls in a thinly populated area. So there was a lot of life and death and right. And it was right. super interesting. So the photo, you know, the essay was called country doctor. So again, that's the idea where you're basically telling stories, but entirely through photos. Photos, Right. So the thing about, um, now would you caption those? Yeah. Okay. I think you would get, I think you, would, they don't call them captions as much as titles. Ah, yes. So they'll have a title. So like one of the, uh, one of his famous war ones that I'll post is called uh, Sticks and Stones and Human Bones. So it's basically okay. these, you see these, uh, these, um, uh, these military guys yep. um, crouched in a trench in the foreground and then a huge explosion in the background and you can see all kinds of stuff flying. So it's called Sticks and Stones and Human Bones. Wow. So you can see where the cleverness of the title is. <laughs> sure. It masks the horror. Yeah. So he did a Country Doctor. He did some stuff in the UK. Um, he did um, a bunch of stuff with um, Welsh Welsh miners. Oh, yeah. Like in the coal mines. Right. They're quite famous. He also did some stuff in Spain. Um, showing themes of rural poverty. There's quite a famous image he has taken of. Uh, so he did Spain, and then he so he did a famous image of a uh, a, a man lying in state. So very uh, deep shadows, like and he ha he did a lot of work in the lab to try and emphasize the lights and the dark. So very very black and white, um, like classic black and white but the images of the people and the looks on them are ast astonishing so he carried on and then he started uh he left uh, life magazine and then because uh, he was getting frustrated with the editors actually doing the the photo essays for him instead of him choosing the photo and then the dog began and then the dog began okay okay We don't even need sound effects this episode. We got, we got stuff happening. So uh, he left life, and then he joined Magnum Photos, which was kind of like this um, photographer's cooperative. For, okay. And um, and started producing projects. So he did stuff with jazz, like jazz singers. Oh, in, yeah. In uh, New York, and he's one of these guys who's like a true artist. Right. So a little bit. Because uh, leaving Life Magazine, like Life Magazine, was. Big. Yeah, and you know, kind of the security of yeah. a steady job. He was one of these guys who's like the art is more important than anything else, and sure. he's a little reckless. Right. I think reckless would be the the so a way that I wouldn't be comfortable with, and most people wouldn't be comfortable with. He was just like, I don't care. Right. Yeah. Consequences be damned. And, and um, maybe his experience of being injured in the war, you know, kind of. Uh, colored his so he, view of things so like, he was so he had he got divorced from his wife he was he was a terrible husband a crappy father you know because he was all hell of a photographer though. hell of a photographer <laughs> and um so he was kind of on his way like like not doing great okay, okay. and he was you know Heavily in, he was an alcoholic. Of course. And he uh, was addicted to amphetamines, yeah. like the whole world. And, this and he, was when he, he started, was younger, or this is no, this is towards the end. So, like, he was so again, some trauma there, perhaps, due to the what he saw. So, and in 1970, oh, okay, so he, he uh, 
he met this woman, Aileen Sprague, who eventually actually became one of his wives. Uh, and uh, she, he met her as she was a translator and being interviewed for a Fujifilm commercial. Okay, now Fujifilm was asking him to comment because he's such a famous photographer. So right. he was paid yeah. to... Um, you know, to tell what they wanted, what the contract said was the best color he's ever photographed. Okay. But he was a black and white guy. Bingo. <laughs> he's like, I've never shot color. <laughs> and they said, what? That's what the contract is. That's what you're getting paid for. <laughs> like somebody in the marketing department. And it was kind of like. Should have done a little bit more research. Yeah, exactly. Well, I signed the contract and I'm willing to talk about your film. So I'm going to be needing to get paid here, guys. But he meets her and they, um, so, so there, you know, they, there's some magic between the two uh, of them. Sure. And, um, but Aileen is, a f um, Aileen was uh, interested in going to Japan and they they were, were, so there's this movie and this is where this movie starts. Oh, okay. Okay. And his movie is all about a thing called Minamata disease. Minamata disease. Yeah. I, okay. I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it right, but it's in Japan. It's a place called Minamata. And, uh, so he go, so Aileen Sprague is part Japanese. Ah. That's why she was a translator. Right. And, um, but uh, so they go to Japan to cover this for Life magazine, and what minimum? Oh, he's back working for Life on a on a contract. Contract, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, so, and 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 he does this photo essay, and and in fact, before this, so between the jazz thing and before the Japan thing, yeah, he got hired uh, by the city of Pittsburgh to do a photo essay on Pittsburgh. He had one month to shoot a hundred photos. Okay. Right. He shot 13,000 photos over three years. <laughs> a little bit of over. Many of which were never published. It's a little bit of over delivering. But a little, I, yeah, but the photos are spectacular. I imagine they would but be. But they're, they're kind of dark and brooding and yeah. they're showing the humanist element. They're not like what you would shoot for a like kind a of tourist brochure. A tourist brochure. Come visit Pittsburgh because we have people who work in factories. That's right. So uh, anyway, so that was the basis of the rabbit hole that Cradle I Cradle of that, human misery. So this Pittsburgh assignment was supposedly the assignment that cratered uh, Gene Smith's career. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because he was seen as, as being almost impossible to work with. Sure. Because he was so obsessed. We didn't want this. What are you doing? We wanted 100 photos. And um, so, and, and, and it's not really explained. Well, I gave you 13,000. What are you complaining about? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, after three years, it was yeah. supposed to be a month yeah. assignment. What are we going to do with 13,000 pictures? So then he goes to New York, he meets this uh, Aileen, and then he ends up going to Japan. He needs money because he spent all his time in Pittsburgh. Sure. And then... Um, three uh, years in... Did he live there the whole three years? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a commitment. Well, yeah, well, and, and so he tiny, was... Tiny shoebox apartment. So his criticisms, criticisms of him are that, uh, that he was incredibly stubborn. So it was his way or the highway. Right. It's not uncommon. Uh, he was a troublemaker because he wouldn't do things that anybody asked him to do unless he wanted to do them. Uh, he was a workaholic. So he would work. He was, uh, you know, he was brutally honest, like unbelievably yeah. honest, like, and, um, but he was also compa uh, compassionate and a perfectionist. Interesting. So, um, so quite an interesting combination, but he right. basically killed his regular career because he was basically seen as somebody you couldn't work with. Um, goes to Japan for this Minamata disease. Uh, and essentially Minamata is this little towny prefect or a fishing village that is in the Kumamoto prefecture in japan okay right next to a huge it's basically a factory town next to a place called the cisco chisco cisco factory c-h-i-s-s-o and they were basically what turns out is the factory was producing chemicals and was leaching mercury into the surrounding area and and but refused to acknowledge 
refused to acknowledge that uh, that they were poisoning the local right. town. Huh. So this, uh, they called it anything but mercury poisoning. They called Sounds it. So familiar. He was hired to basically do a life series. Uh, like, okay. So there are all these these children being born with this like disfigured and sure. and just um you know and unbelievable genetic birth defects. Yeah, and the mercury poisoning. What is, could be causing this? It was really bad. So he went there. He got beaten up. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, this was this was a big thing. He got beaten up by uh, by uh, uh, by uh, Japanese people. Well, it's Japanese yakuza that was hired by oh, by the wow. factory to Those guys shut, don't shut people screw around, man. No, so he's um, his stuff is just unbelievable. So his most famous photo is this one called Tomiko and the mother in the bath. And this is so he got managed to get this intimate oh, photo smokes. of this. Uh, this uh, uh, Tomiko is the, the the girl. She's she's basically bathing. She's naked, um, and you can see the disfigurement. Yeah, and uh, but you can also see the love of the mother that is bathing. Wow! Her. And this is uh, this is, is uh, quite the photo. So what what's interesting about this is. Uh, I mean, carrying on down a rabbit hole. So I'm reading about this. I'm reading these documentaries about it. And turns out there's a movie. Yes. That was mentioned. produced about, uh, this, uh, about this whole episode in, in Japan. Uh, so it's, a very, it's his most famous photo. Um, and he did this whole series. And basically it was, the images are drop dead phenomenal. Okay. And um, um, so... There's a movie called Minamata that was a little indie film starring right. Johnny Depp. Of course. And this, you know, it was... Uh, playing Eugene Smith. Playing Eugene Smith. And what's really remarkable about it is Johnny Depp really captures the essence of mm -hmm. Eugene Smith. Yeah. Even looks like, like you know, with the, the makeup and sure. the, the beard and the whole thing. Yep. He looks like it. He does a great job. Yep. And you kind of get the stubbornness and the the real, like, you get the characteristics of, right. of Eugene Smith. Um, and, uh, and you know, one, for one, I'm a photographer. I like wanting, I want to see uh, movies sure. about photographers. There's not a ton of them that are really good or, no. or that are particularly interesting. That's very cool. This movie uh, was a total flop. Like, unbelievable flop had a budget only about 30 million dollars i think worldwide it's only done like two million wow like total turns flop. out nobody cared <laughs> turns uh, out so it was produced so this would have been in the 70s that he went there he went there in the early 70s early 70s and the story yeah, is, the period is really quite remarkable and he would have been in his late 40s or he was in his 50s he was yeah. early 50s yeah and he ended up dying like at 59 or something okay but the uh yeah like a <coughs> and um but so this was released in 2020 and right at 2020 was the start or the where donny johnny depp was considered oh, not not non grata right because he had beaten up his crazy girlfriend or wife wife, wife. Yep. amber heard before all that started before all that yeah. stuff started so um so uh with um so basically, the the film uh, the distributors said to bury it. They bur yeah. bury it. So uh, it's available. Yeah, because I never heard of it. It's like seventy eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I might give it a, a try. And it's I might got pointed out to my uh, to my cinephile Victor. Oh yeah, big into movies. It, well, and it it's it, it it has the cachet because it's like this small indie film that nobody's seen, but with a big star, and it's a good story. Right. And um, it's yeah. worthwhile. I, yeah. I enjoy you know, it. Now that I think about it, Johnny Depp, I, I can think of at least four biopics that he did. And he's amazing, right? Cause right, because he, he did Life and Death in Las Vegas. Or what was it called? Uh, Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing. That's yeah, Andres Thompson. He did Ed Wood. Oh, right, right. That's the, right. Uh, the, the Planet Nine. Uh, he played Whitey Bulger, who was a... Uh, Irish American gangster, right? gangster. Yeah, 
and there's another one. Oh, well, and, and this Eugene Smith. Yeah. So he's done, it's probably another one that we're not thinking of, but because I think he played an actual person in that movie, Blow. Some oh, kind okay. of uh, drug cocaine dealer kind of thing. I think that's a real story. I mean, he, the guy's amazing. He's quite a remarkable actor. He does sometimes, I, I don't know if he gravitates to a particular type of character, usually a, usually a character that's kind of down in a lock or it's got. Oh, Donnie Brasco. He also did Donnie. He played Donnie Brasco. I, I don't Another, think I ever saw that one. Yeah. So that was a guy who went undercover in the New York uh, mafia. He's a long way from uh, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. And uh, uh, Al Pacino is in that one too, playing sort of the. The guy who brings him in and is basically uh, bamboozled, right? Like, yeah, it's a bit of a problem if you vouch for a guy, bring him into the inner workings of the the mob, and then it turns out the guy's actually a police undercover officer. police officer. Yeah, that's that right. doesn't make you a lot of friends in no. in the Casa Nostra. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, <coughs> it's uh, it's worthwhile. Um. I got it through. I was able to rent it through Apple. Okay. Uh, I think you can rent it through Prime as well. Oh, yeah. It's free if you have the might super, be on super channels. Tubi. No, well, maybe. Or, uh, well, or Tubby. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't know. I think it's Tubi. Tubi. A lot of movies on Tubi. Yeah, I don't really understand Tubi, but anyway. They have ads. It's it's like a streaming service, but with they ad, do ads. Ad so there's supported. all kinds of stuff. And a lot of B movies. and old, like So my son watches a lot of horror films. Tubi is the place to be. Well, the thing about um, the thing about Minamata is that it's not really that old, right? Like, yeah, that's only three and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah, I, I will mention it to. Uh, maybe we'll watch it. Sounds interesting. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, yeah. It's uh, oh, he also did the Rum Diaries, where he plays a young Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, I didn't know about In that. In fact, that's where he met Amber Heard. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm sure he's like, well, I wish that hadn't happened, right? Because he was married for years to a French actress, Vanessa Paradis. Right, that's right. And then they got divorced. What, did they get divorced because of Amber? Who knows? Who knows? I'm not a Johnny Depp file, even though it seems like I know a lot about him. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and he also did that biopic on Jack, Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack. The biopic, <laughs> yeah. Actually... Going back to what did you learn this week? I've, I heard this phenomenally funny story from Will Ferrell. Uh, so you know who Chris Kattan is? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Mango and and uh, he was on <laughs> SNL as well, right? Yeah, yeah, he was on for a long time. Uh, Night at the Roxy. And, yeah. Okay. Well, he's actually been, he broke his neck doing something, some kind of skit. He's maybe, really been in bad maybe shape. Maybe he's doing the. The, the no, no, it was some again. kind of skit. It might have been on SNL when he was sitting on a chair and and they flipped the chair, like knocked him out of his chair, and he wound up and he and he and he fractured. You know, I heard something. Some vertebra. Yeah. So he's been in bad shape. That's not the funny story. <laughs> <clears throat> it turns out him and Will Ferrell have been friends like a long time, like like way before they became famous. They were already friends. So Will Ferrell said he they got a job. He got a job as a mall Santa in, in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and, and my elf was Chris Kattan. So picture that, these two idiots walking around. And he goes, we were doing the thing at the mall, and they saw Kevin Costner. This is years and years ago, right? And they saw Kevin Costner at the mall with his kids, who were quite young. And uh, it looked like he was trying to keep a low profile, mm -hmm. you know, not attract attention. And his kids were climbing on some sculpture at this mall that had like, coyotes or some freaking thing right mm -hmm. so they went over and will ferrell is trying to be you know he's interacting with the kids as santa and trying to be like really cool and he goes damn chris Kattan starts with hey these children almost look like they're dancing dancing with wolves and uh costner apparently was not impressed right uh -huh. and uh you know glared at them took his kids and like got out of there and then Farrell said, like, years later, he ran into Kevin Costner at one of these uh, uh, event, uh, like, uh, award things. Mm -hmm. And he reminded him of that incident. Kevin Costner said, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> he was still a little angry. 
But I, I have this picture in my mind of an unfamous Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan dressed as Santa and an elf roaming this mall in L.A. trying to get their big break. It's very funny. <laughs> Dances with wolves. Yeah. It's almost like they're dancing with wolves. Um, so, so, uh, that's it for Gene Smith. Yeah. Uh, kind of difficult doing a podcast talking about it. Can you put some of his photos on, on the website? I will put on, I will take, there must be like a retrospective book of his work somewhere there. Well, the problem here, here's the catch. He's a photo essayist. So a a lot of the 13,000 photos of Pittsburgh, (laughs) right? He's basically known for taking way. So he's the, he's the father of the photo essay right. he's also known for trying to record everything so okay. taking too many photos could you imagine if this guy was around now in the in the digital, the digital era? age yeah 13,000 13, with with uh, manual oh. wind manual yeah. focus manual exposure uh it's crazy photos, yeah. yeah yeah so one, 13,000 pictures in an hour now the only thing i didn't like about the uh the the only thing i didn't like about the film Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is super nitpicky. Yeah. And it is because he's using a manual camera. So you have to manually focus everything. He gives the camera to some kid and the kid starts taking photos like that. There's no explanation. And you can't just take a photo with a manual camera. Right. With a full, there's no automatic anything. There's right. Just like you, <clears throat> so you have to know what you're doing. You have to yeah. know a little bit about the basics in order sure. to be able to, to, right. to take photos. Yeah. So anyway. Um, so in the movie he does this in the movie. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. Yeah, anyway, gotcha. So not, yeah. pretty nitpicky, Unre- but the unrealistic. But the story is yeah. really good. Okay. okay. Uh, other media. Other media. Uh, yeah, I finally finished the end of the world. Oh yeah. Which is this? Uh, anyway, not recommend. Murder at the end of the world. Uh, it's basically murder a Gen Z murder mystery. It's kind of like a Nancy Drew, but with a Gen Z Nancy Drew. Okay. So it's kind of like, oh, I'm, my emotions. Why would so you easily? What would have made you think this looks good? I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> well, wow. it has uh, Clive Owens in it. Oh, okay, okay. It has. Um, he's not Gen the Z. woman that no, but the woman. Yeah, he, he's not. He plays kind of like a. Jeff Bezos, oh, yeah. kind of billionaire okay. kind of guy, cool. and there's you know, and it's an AI, and it's and okay, it had, not recommended. No, and and to give a spoiler, in the end, you know how Captain Kirk was always able to defeat the uh, the a the the computer like computer the, the AI intelligence computer by you know. Using some kind of reverse logic on it? Yeah. yeah. They yeah, went the, there, did they? Yeah, they They're went there. there. Okay. They went there, and I'm going like, really? And and you get the whole, yeah. you remember Hal is going kind of like, when yeah. he's singing Daisy. Yes. Daisy. Yeah, now think about it. Kirk did that like three times. He did it with uh, at least three times. Well, he's, the M5. he's got a super brain, right? Like, and then he did it with uh, Nomad. Yeah, Nomad. Sort of the same story, kind of. And then, or I know, I guess Nomad and and Star Trek the Motion Picture are very right. similar, right? Well, the, they both the probe have... that was created by a human, yeah, and now it's coming back looking for its creator, yeah, right. And then he did it with Viger. Viger, that's right. And uh, the whole thing with so if your computer's acting up, you call Captain Jim Kirk. Kirk. He comes and fixes it for you. You got it. And uh, so this kind of had that kind of oh interesting ending, and it's just like oh really? And everybody's able to hack. Are you a hacker? Do you have hacker skills? I'm kind of like, what the f- what the fuck does that mean? Like yeah. hacker skills? Oh, I was able to hack this because I was able to get the IP address and the password through a light bulb. <laughs> I'm going like, because it had had all these oh, these wired possible smart light bulbs small or smart light bulbs so she was able to hack the password and the ip address for the network to be able to sure. get in but through a light bulb yeah and then she was able to hack it using like a little a tablet or whatever uh, anyway it's just like it's dumb it's just it's too much yeah like these super Not hacking worth, skills yeah, yeah, because yeah. of and i mean there are hackers and there's hackers who can do things but the things that hackers can do are not as 
unlimited yeah. as <clears throat> they're shown no, on no, TV or movies. So what have I what have I watched? Uh, well, I'm still reading a bunch of of books on prospecting. Mm-hmm. That's a form of media. Uh, Reacher, of course, mm-hmm. which I have to say I'm enjoying, but as a, I'm a little bit let down. Let down because, by when? Well, the quality of this second season. Oh, it's not and, as good. Well, and everybody said it was better, even including Lee Child, who was the creator. You know, it's like, oh man, we really nailed it this year. And I thought the first season was actually better. So I'm a little, I'm enjoying it, but it's just, it's not quite there, right? So, okay. you know, it's a bit disappointing. And I started rewatching Kenobi on Disney Plus because uh, we watched it, you know, it was a year and a half ago when it first came out, you know, kind of as a family. And then for some reason, I just got this, uh, oh, I know what it was. My wife wanted to watch uh, Return of the Jedi. So we watched that. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to watch Kenobi because I think I missed some subtleties and I'm really enjoying it. It's a really good uh, series. Okay. You know, and even the little girl who plays young Leia. <laughs> That's series, not you know, Siri. Who uh, originally kind of annoyed me, uh, but now on a rewatch, I'm like, no, she's really good at that sort of, uh, you know, really precocious, uh, uh, hard headed, mm-hmm. you know, She's really capturing that quite well for like a 10 year old actor. It's really good. So, and then, you know, Ewan McGregor is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really enjoying, I think I'm on fourth. I think I watched the fourth episode last night. So there's only two more to go. Okay. To rewatch. Yeah. I'm thinking I, I might I, rewatch I, Andor. Enjoyed that. that was another really good one. That was also, yeah, that was good. I thought Andor started slow, but then it gained speed as you went along. It did. And uh, I'm not sure when the, the next thing is coming. I saw uh, another sci-fi that I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, it's uh, It was called The Creator. I heard about this. It's it, a movie, right? It's a movie. It's, uh, and then they had a bunch, when the marketing, they had a bunch of people out in different parts wearing that sort of makeup of the, the, the robots, just showing up at airports and stuff and freaking people out. So it's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, that's not at all the story, but that is definitely what the visuals are. Right. So uh, it is a story about a basically a dystopian future where AI, and AI in this case is like humanoid robots that right. are called simulants, um, who, you know, are obviously robots, but uh, they, uh, they're they kind of like self-aware. Okay. And um, they're banned in the U.S. because they, they're because something bad happens. Of course. And the U.S. decides to go and exterminate it wherever they are. Oh. They become the world police. Does that sound a little familiar? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, whereas it's accepted in parts of Asia. So uh, so it's, uh, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's a dystopian future that tells us a lot about what's going on right now. I, right. I suspect it probably doesn't play very well so in the U.S. A- right now because of some of them the so it's a u.s centric hard-on movie or they're like the opposite uh, it's the opposite oh really they're made to look not good the the the, um the uh, the bad guys are the americans interesting so i I suspect i gotta see that so it's worth it i enjoy it's playing great in china (laughs) they're like this is great exactly we need more of these movies exactly um yeah so anyway that's uh i've i've um, I, I enjoyed the create, and we've been watching Silo, so Silo oh, yeah. is really good. Yeah. Speaking, of, did you see this video of? Uh, now I don't know what the actual context is, but it's framed as something quite funny. This video of Putin and Kim Jong Un. No. I don't know when it was taken. Again, this is on social media, so the context. But it's they both have like uh, they're at some sort of state dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And they each got like a glass of like champagne. And they're about to toast, and then like Putin looks at his glass suddenly, like suspiciously, and Kim Jong Un's like, mm. <laughs> they both put the glasses down without drinking, right? And so the caption is like, "When you forgot which one you poisoned." <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, what's the verdict on the coffee? I like it. 
I like it too. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's dark. It's local. It. Uh, I was a little bit <laughs> skeptical when I first looked at it because right. it was very oily. And uh, in general, the coffee beans we get from the special, they're not oily covered. Right. These ones are. A little bit oily. Um, the last ones that we had that were oily covered were the place where, where Paulette had her 50th. Oh, um, Endeavor. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like the coffee from there. Okay. The coffee. Uh, so I wasn't sure if. The oil was a clue. Um, mm. This is a bit of a darker yeah, roast, good. but it was good. Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, well, that's it for this week. Yep. Have another great week. Have a great week. Oh, uh, one one fast bit of tidbit. For this month, we've had like a big uptick in number of downloads. Really? Yeah. And, and instead of Apple Podcasts, it's all coming from Google Chrome. Wow. Mostly being downloaded in Oregon. I have no idea why. Oregon. Like, I don't know if somebody's gone we're, crazy. We're big in Oregon. We're big in Oregon right now. <laughs> like, like disproportionate. Wow. But anyway. Well, hey. Have a great week. You too. And if you're in Oregon, keep on downloading. Yeah, exactly. Send us an email. <laughs> Tell us what the hell's going on. All right. Bye-bye.